morning, apartment. Good morning, doorway. Morning, wall. Morning, ceiling. Good morning, floor. Ready to start the day. I'm a sneaky little stinker. Gary Hoffman. I hate that guy. I may not be Malibu Barbie. Shannon Farron. I've been through a lot, Barbie. What are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. Gary and Shannon. It's just so mind-blowing. Stop, stop. You're going to be very disappointed. Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. This is quite the scene in West L.A. at Barrington Plaza there on Wilshire Boulevard, this massive apartment complex building. Studio apartments, one bedroom, two bedrooms. Looks like it was uh, built in 1963, renovated in 98, sold, last sold in 98 for $100 Uh well, here we go. We were going to talk with Corbin Carson about coronavirus. Let's go live to, let's see, it's on the TV there, Blake. We're getting an update from fire it's officials. It's Ralph Terrazas, I think. I just arrived on scene about 10 to 15 minutes ago, and I'm going to give you a few comments, and then I'm going to turn it over to Chief Hogan. He has more details. He's been here for over an hour. Let me first start off by saying that our firefighters did a tremendous job here. This is a 25-floor residential high-rise with no sprinklers. There was fire showing on the sixth floor, which ultimately spread to the seventh floor. Our firefighters were placed on the sixth floor. We call that assignment fire attack. They went through multiple air bottles until they were able to get to the seat of the fire. We use that strategy in conjunction with our transitional attack, which means that we hit it from the outside with a hose line off of our aerial ladder truck. Between the two methods, we're able to achieve a knockdown, which we called just a few minutes ago. Now I'd like to turn it over to Chief Hogan. He has many more details to share with you. And after he's done, we can take a few questions. My name is Armando Hogan, spelled A-R-M-A-N-D-O, last name Hogan, H-O-G-A-N. I am the commander of Operations West Bureau, in which this uh, incident is currently involved. this morning, our firefighters uh, witnessed what they saw was fire on a balcony of the sixth floor. Uh, They immediately radioed that based on the fact that we had another incident right up the street on San Vicente. And as that was winding down, the alertness of our firefighters recognized that there was an additional incident taking place. We immediately filled out the assignment, made an aggressive attack. The Herculean effort of the uh, members of the Los Angeles Fire Department was incredible. As mentioned, with heavy fire showing on the sixth floor and above ground incident, it takes a lot of coordination, and our resources did a great job. We finally achieved a knockdown at about uh, 9.56 uh, hours, and at this point in time, we are doing a floor-to-floor search starting throughout the building to make sure that there was no one else that will need any assistance from us. At this time, we uh, have eight people that have been impacted by this. One was in critical condition. There's uh, CPR taking place there. They have been transported to a local hospital. Also within that seven is a three-month-old, and we will get the status on that. For the most part, I know with the helicopter 
command. Our priorities right now are medical and the complete evacuation of this building. What we're doing for those who have been evacuated, we're in the process of getting a shelter established and currently addressing their needs. Once again, I can't say enough for the fact that what you see here is a unified front, the city family coming together to provide exemplary service. How, how, I'll take any how much was wind How was wind? briefing there, and you heard it from Chief uh, Ralph Tarasis as well as Armando Hogan. Nobody jumped out of this 25-story residential building. Those were the early reports that people were jumping from the sixth floor, which seemed to be fully engulfed on one side of that building. They were able to use the aerial ladder to go up there and get somebody who had climbed outside and was on pretty much just like the window rafter there. Um, They were able to get that person. Again, one person in critical condition. There was a three-month-old baby affected. 
and a handful of other people that they're trying to assess. And they were able to rescue people off the roof using that L.A. City fire helicopter. Yeah, hundreds of people, of course, live in this uh, one of the three towers there at uh, Barrington Plaza. And right now, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department and the L.A. County Fire Department are using helicopters to take people up off of the roof that had made their way to the roof. It's hard for the helicopters to get that close to the roof because of the giant brass ones on the pilots. So they have to be careful about that. And it's also windy. It is windy. They did say that the wind wasn't affecting the fire itself very much, but they were saying that that was going to impact how the uh, how the helicopter operators were going to be uh, were going to be working. So, again, this is a, a an apartment complex, condo complex that's just west of the 405 on Wilshire, and uh, one of the they said one of the largest housing developments when it was actually put up, one of the largest developments in the Western United States in the early 60s. Um, there could be a problem if there are no sprinklers in there. Uh, that, and if yeah. this was early 60s, they were saying that that's going to be an issue. It caught on fire in 2013 also. And caused millions of dollars of damage, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Hurt eight people. Um, so, again, a quick work of L.A. City Fire, uh, L.A. County Fire using their helicopter, L.A. County Sheriff also using helicopter to take people up off. And uh, as the chief said, their big priority right now is to make sure that they can evacuate that entire building and make sure that there are no other hotspots, although they did declare that the fire was put down just before the top of the hour. All right, Ontario, you're off the hook. Riverside, you're on deck. We'll talk about the latest on the coronavirus and where that flight is going to land. Gary and Shannon will continue. We also have a chance at 1000 bucks coming up. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Again, the latest coming out of West L.A., the L.A. City Fire Department says eight people were impacted by this fire at Barrington Plaza, this 25-story residential building that caught fire this morning. Two suffered unspecified injuries, including a three-month-old infant, six others Suffering from smoke inhalation, one person critically injured. Nobody jumped. That's the key. Nobody jumped. There were some early reports that that may have happened, and uh, that is not the case. But there's still going to be a lot of activity. Wilshire is going to be shut down. Barrington is going to be shut down. There were dozens and dozens of uh, fire units all over those streets. Uh, And, of course, the helicopter activity with the L.A. County Fire and L.A. County Sheriff pulling people off of the roof of that building. Senators... On this Tarzan Wednesday. Tarzan's awesome warning cry is known to every living creature in the jungle. Yeah. Those rescues from the roof were kind of Tarzan-like. Very Tarzan-like. Hmm. Senators ready to ask their questions as the impeachment trial of the president is back in session as well. We'll get you all the details on that. And coronavirus remains in the news. It looks like there's been a change in plans With the flight of Americans and diplomats that was headed out of the area, Corbin Carson is on the story, joins us now. But before we get to Corbin, for your chance at a thousand bucks, text the nationwide keyword TAB, T-A-B, to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's TAB to 200-200. Winners answer the phone, losers don't, but you also have a chance next hour to be a winner. Every hour, 20 after, between 520 in the morning and 620 at night, we give away a thousand bucks. Corbin Carson, hey, what's happening? What's the latest with this uh, plane full of people? 
But before we get to Corbin, <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, that plane landed this morning around eight at March Air Force. Uh, excuse me, March Air Reserve Base here in Riverside County. It's a group of about 201 people. It's made up of U.S. Consulate General Wuhan employees, their family members, which includes about nine children, and some other private U.S. citizens. The flight took off yesterday and was supposed to land in Alaska to refuel and go on to Ontario International Airport, but late last night. The plane was detoured here to the uh, to the base. Uh, um, now it did land last night at, in Alaska. It did refuel, and and the people were rescreened again there. The uh, the State Department had ordered these employees out over concerns as the coronavirus is growing. The, the latest now we've been talking about the almost six thousand people have been infected in, in you know in several countries, multiple countries, and um, since it was discovered last last month in Wuhan, the latest reports more than one hundred thirty people have been killed by the, the disease. Now, see the 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 feds say that the the passengers that landed this morning at the base were screened before leaving China, and anyone that had symptoms was treated there not allowed to continue then they were screened again when that flight landed last night in alaska and anyone again with with symptoms was not allowed to continue and what we're hearing is the group will be screened once again once they land here after they landed here this morning and that those people could be kept quarantined until the virus uh, uh, for at least 14 days could be like up to two weeks now the good news is we're expected to hear some details here in about 30 minutes from cdc and county health officials on exactly what that process was like to make sure that people were not uh, flying from the the center of this virus in Wuhan, China, here with any of the symptoms of the disease. But again, these people that have landed this morning, 200 family and U.S. citizens will be screened. We're screened several. Uh, we're screened three times, and the idea is that they will keep being screened uh, until they are symptom-free. Okay. Any explanation, uh, officially or unofficially, as to why they went from Ontario and changed it to go to to the reserve air base? You know, we've had a couple of different reports on that. Uh, we've had a, the the State Department is saying it was logistical reasons. I mean, the Ontario airport is a repatriation for the West Coast. The, those city officials say that they they were prepared for this. They trucked in bathrooms and water, and they were ready to hold these uh, these citizens there. Or excuse me, these uh, um, yeah these U.S. citizens there. But then we've also heard uh, KFI has, has, has had sources that are close to this operation that have told us that the public outcry of landing the, uh, you know, this many people from this, uh, from this, from the, what is really ground zero for this disease was was too much to land at a commercial airport. So the idea was that that they, you know, at the last minute while this really before the thing before the plane landed in Alaska, they diverted and said after Alaska, we're going to land here at the base, we can control what's going on, you know, at the base we have more more facilities able to handle this kind of thing and make sure that you know that we can control the the media tale, I guess as well. Yeah, there was a talk that there was a misconception that this was a plane full of sick people too. Right. And uh, the, the, the the supervisors in San Bernardino County were just inundated with calls uh, from constituents. Yeah, uh, one, one of the calls was, this is how all the zombie movies start. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I was one of them. I mean, I, I, I spent a good chunk of yesterday bugging pretty much everybody over there, and everyone was hush-hush about when the flight would land. There was a lot of concerns over, and they met, and they were in meetings all day. A lot of people that would step out to meet, uh, meetings wouldn't go on record but would talk to me behind, uh, off record, were telling me that there was a lot of meetings about where how this was going 
going to look and, 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 and many questions such as if someone got sick on the plane, does that make everyone sick? And do we re- divert the whole thing? And it just was on and on. And at the last minute, again, late last night, the idea being now we'll have it at, the, at this Air Force base. And hopefully here in about 30 minutes, I'll be able to let you guys know what the, the actual process was. Awesome. Corbin, thank you. Uh, keep us updated. Thanks, guys. Corbin Carson there with the latest out at uh, March Air Reserve Base. Again, that plane that was supposed to land at Ontario we were talking about yesterday was diverted to go to March Air Reserve Base, um, you know, for a couple different reasons. Um, Side note, on Saturday night, Brian Suits did a very uh, um, Orson Wellesian-style 2021 breakdown of the great California coronavirus outbreak. Oh, no. Like a... 18 months from now, the CDC puts out its final report on what exactly happened. Uh, It's crazy. He did such a great job of fictionalizing what could potentially happen in the event of an outbreak like this. It was weird. It was weird to listen to. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Absolutely worth listening. If you go to the iHeartRadio app and you do a dark secret place, find Saturday Night's show. All right, what you watching Wednesday when we come back? Gary and Shannon. I'll give you Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Lots going on today. The Senate has uh, provided the Supreme Court justice, chief justice, with written questions. So legal teams in the Senate are answering some of those written questions. We'll hear more about that coming up at Swamp Watch. Fire at that Wilshire and Barrington intersection, the Barrington Plaza. Uh, Building built in the early 60s, the sixth floor apartment, sixth and seventh floors caught fire today. Hundreds of people had to be evacuated at building, including some people taken off the roof by helicopter. Keep an eye on all of those stories and more coming up. Uh, But it's time for What You're Watching Wednesday. And, of course, it's uh, this time when we got to talk about The Bachelor. Petros Papadakis joins us, the biggest star of the fourth floor, the pride of USC. He's missing half a nipple. (laughs) And and a special place in our hearts as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Petros, um, we're Thank now uh, a couple of weeks, three weeks, I think, into this season of The Bachelor. And um, to be honest, I don't think it's getting any better. Actually, it is. What? It's that, awesome. It was so good this week. It What's was wrong so with you? good. Action-packed. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there were sharks. I mean, it had everything. It had everything. It was awesome. It was freaking action-packed. <laughs> Bite your tongue, Gary. Sorry. I just You know, feel... I'm like you. I, I like some old-timey things as well. But you got to tip your hat to reality TV when it hits a home run. <laughs> Petros is like, <laughs> I like Chuck Connors, too. <laughs> oh. Out of the park. Out I, of the park. I couldn't agree more. I mean, producers are terrible people, but they really, they really outdid themselves this week. They are awful, manipulative, just hubris-filled demon, monster, grotesque, like every mm-hmm. word you want to put for the people that produce reality television, uh, they they really earn it. However, those that are on reality TV that are comfortable with their tongue in somebody else's mouth with a camera up there behind deserve to be manipulated. <laughs> so that is how I reconcile it, Shannon. So they're made for each other is what you're saying. It really is. And guess who gets to watch uh, the Christians eaten by the lions in the Colosseum while we uh, satisfy our own bloodlust? Yeah. Us. Yep. Us! It's great! 
And you know what the best thing about The Bachelor is, really? Do you know what their travel budget is? A lot. Zero. What? Yeah, it's all about uh, tourism dollars. Like cities will. It's will, all free. It's all oh, free oh, because, oh, 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 and, and that's why they wound up in Cleveland this week. Uh, <laughs> all right, yes, it, it, it immediately sweet commercial. It immediately triggered me For, because I've spent two weeks of my life in Cleveland, <laughs> once with the convention and then one, once with the Chargers, and I, it is a fun city. Uh, the three but, things, the three things there are to do there, right. which are the Hall of Fame and barbecue and the Jack Casino, and then after you've done that, you're you're done. Go home. Here's a great commercial for Cleveland. We took a little stroll this morning, and it's beautiful here. Mm-hmm. We walked downtown, and it was just stunning. Okay. I was not expecting Cleveland to be this nice. It gives off the vibes of a really tight-knit community, and I like that. There's nothing like Midwestern people. They have the biggest hearts. That's true. So I'm really excited to be in Cleveland and just feel the warmth of the city. Oh, my God. Look at this. Oh, my God. We enter into a beautiful penthouse looking over Lake Erie. It's like, wow, this is really gorgeous. Ohio. 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 I've never been to Cleveland, so I want to try and see and do everything that this place has to offer with Peter. Okay, so the the first date was with uh, Victoria P, and she's hot. Yeah, yeah, she has a beautiful uh, physique. Uh, physique. A lower half. Yeah, lower half. Well, I think both you her know, halves are pretty good. Of, yeah, I couldn't help but think of the great uh, Billy Ocean song. She brushed by me in painted on jeans. Painted on. I mean, just a perky behind. Uh, however, you know, Peter the pilot's not the only one who who's tasted that peach of a behind. Unfortunately, yeah. So they or go has to aspirations. This, they go to this like amusement park after doing the gratuitous flight because he's a pilot sure. to get there. Um, and uh, and they've got one of those special concerts lined up oh, for him. Oh, wait a minute! She runs into her ex boyfriend, who's the who's the singer. Yeah. singer. yeah okay. But you know what? It's not really an ex-boyfriend. This guy, Chase Rice, called Bobby Bones yesterday and was like, I spent one night with her in Charlotte. She's a quote-unquote cool chick. Ha-ha! Oh, God. But of course she's going to say they were dating. Yeah, She's a country groupie, a lobby freaking spider. Uh, anyway, uh, here is Peter, like Scooby-Doo, finding out who the ghost is, uh, finding out that... Uh, <laughs> Chase and I dated. So, um, Chase and I used to date. Meaning sex? And. Like the singer, Chase? The guy that was doing the concert? Yeah. Wait, what? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like shaking right now. Um. The guy that was singing, I talked to him. Yes, the guy in the concert. We dated, but I broke it off with him because his lifestyle doesn't really match up to what I want. Look at me, Danny. I'm a homegirl. I had sex with Chase Rice. It was so awkward because he's singing and she's dancing with uh, The Bachelor, right? And she knows all the words to his song. Oh, and he was into it. Oh, so into it. The Bachelor was into it, too. He was so drunk and, like, so dancing around and everybody else was aware but the dumbass Bachelor. 
so anyway, that happened and it was pretty awesome. But Chase Chase Rice again on Bobby Bones, an iHeart Media entity, said, "Cool chick, spent the night with her once in Charlotte." That's what he said. So believe what you want. So to. then they go to believe the country star on a group date, and I was riveted. They they, they engage in what's well, the called group date was great. The Bachelor Bowl when they uh, make football players out of these girls, and I gotta say. Some of them showed some real talent out there. I was into it. They got after it, Gary. They they played their ass off. They really did. And I appreciated uh, their effort. In your 20s, I mean, after a football game, if you don't do that stuff, even if you do, you know, for five or six days, you have big-ass bruises just from hitting the ground hard. I have a huge and, uh, bruise from Divisional Weekend when my brother and I were reenacting the catch, and I was Dwight Clark, and I met a car pretty hard <laughs> when I laid out Jesus for that ball. Christ. I just, I can't. I can't do this on Super Bowl week. If they make the Super Bowl next year, I'm not coming on that week. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I mean, Shannon at this point has a caricature drawing of Brent Jones over her bed. I just, I can't. (laughs) It's it's too much. Uh, Uh, But Hanford Dixon, one of my favorite players of that same 80s time period of of the NFL, probably the best time in the NFL, uh, Hanford Dixon, the great cornerback from the Cleveland Browns, was doing some some coaching. We can't let them run and make a touchdown because they make a touchdown and then they score. And then we're at a disadvantage. Everybody understand? Let's go, it. Killer Bees. How bad do you want this? Let's go. It was so good. That's great. <laughs> great live advice. That is great. From Hanford Dixon. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I was hoping the other cornerback of those days uh, would have also been there, uh, but he was not. Uh, anyway, or Kevin Mack or, or Big Daddy Williamson or any of the other uh, Cleveland Browns uh, that I grew up loving. Uh, okay. So now to the big controversy. The chick he kicked off last week, you remember that, Gary? And then he was like, oh, I didn't want to do this. Right. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah. She came back, and she's, she's here now. Yeah. Wait. She comes back after the football game, and all these chicks are sitting there beat to crap, waiting on one of them to get a rose, and this chick waltzes in, who they all hate, gets the rose, and waltzes out. Now, she... Bill Shakespeare, I think, said it, that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Yeah. But there's nothing like a harem of uh, of Bachelor contestants pissed off. He sets these women aflame. I mean, French Revolution revolt amongst the women of The Bachelor. Am I – Am I? Uh, it, like, drag the aristocrats out of the house, cut off their head in the streets, like – Am I exaggerating, Shannon? No, those girls were pissed. (laughs) Listen, they just laid it all out for him on the field. They're bruised. They're sitting there. They're tired. Their hair doesn't look great. And this chick comes back, and she gets the rose. It was just, it was ridiculous. I'm sorry, Peter, but I've never felt so under-recognized by somebody. And for us who went on the group date, who bust our ass out there on the football field and literally have the physical bruises to show, and then for you to come to the cocktail party and ignore us, half of us that didn't get time, and then walk in hand in hand with Alea, it was like the biggest slap in the face. Like, I couldn't even look at you. Preach. Um, like, literally, my ankle is still sore. Oh. My knee is still sore. Yeah. And for you to give it to her, of all people, I really, really, really hurt. Yeah. And then he, of course, laments his decision with Alea. And gives my favorite quote, other than Hanford Dixon, of a great episode, I think we can all agree, uh, 
which was uh, this backfired like no other. <laughs> oh. I, no, but I, I do because I, I feel like I just, I, I'm messing up right now so bad. This is just backfiring like no other, just back in my face. <laughs> I just did not expect tonight to go like this. I'm just like, oh my God, so much disappointment and just frustration from all those girls walking in. They're not holding back. And obviously they're upset at me and they're pissed. Listen, mm-hmm. Peter's not a Mensa member. No, all right? clearly. <laughs> Pete. He's a pilot. Our life is, 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 oh my God, is in right. his hand if we you're fly right. to, from Eugene to Medford. <laughs> P, thank you. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we come back. More What You Watch on Wednesday. If you have not yet seen The Mind of Aaron Hernandez, the story about the uh, New England Patriots star who was then – Convicted of murder and acquitted of murder. We'll talk about that, his suicide, and what his fiance had to say about the rumors of his sexuality. By AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The uh, president's defense team and House managers have been answering written questions from senators being read out by the Supreme, uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who's in charge of the uh, ongoing thing. It could be two days of this before they eventually decide on witnesses or not. So we'll talk about that and listen into some of that a little bit later in the show. We're in the middle of uh, What You Watching Wednesday, talk about what's going on on TV. Just last night, the wife and I finished up the uh, Aaron Hernandez mini documentary series, I guess, three episodes there on Netflix called The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. The first two episodes are just riveting. Even if you know the Aaron Hernandez story well or you don't care about it, it's just really well put together. My wife, not a gigantic Patriots fan or football in general knew vaguely about this story, but but was super interested in the first couple episodes. It rips your heart out. It really yeah. does. It's hard to watch because of all of the factors that contributed to the downfall of of Aaron Hernandez. And w- one of the things that that sticks out about it is his mother's a terrible person. I mean, she's really like the villain in the whole story. I mean, yes, he killed people, but the mother's role in it. And his life was just hard. His father's role as well. And the other big thing that sticks out is, spoiler alert, he had a sexual relationship with his friend in high school. Yeah, his high school quarterback. And and the quarterback is interviewed and is very upfront about Incredible. everything. And is sitting right next to his dad, you know, big old Boston guy. Um, the They also said, when, when they dropped that revelation, that the quarterback says he wasn't the only one that had these extracurricular activities going on with Aaron Hernandez at the time. Then when we found out that he uh, killed himself in prison, that there was uh, rumors that there was a guy in prison that was acting as his boyfriend slash lover. Um, His fiance, Aaron Hernandez fiance, Shiana Jenkins Hernandez did an interview with ABC's good morning America today and sat down with Amy Robach to talk about the issue of Aaron Hernandez's sexuality and whether or not it should have been even included in this documentary. What was in the documentary that shouldn't have been, in your opinion? Yeah. I, I would have to say Aaron's sexuality. 
um, you can't describe someone's sexuality without them being here. Um, although I've had a child with Aaron, I still can't tell you um, how he was feeling inside. No one can. Do you want to comment at all on that aspect of this documentary and the rumors that have been there that Aaron may have been bisexual or gay? If he did feel that way, or if he felt the urge, I wish that I, I was told. And I wish that he, you know, he would have told me because I wouldn't. I would not have loved him any differently. I would have understood. It's not shameful. And I don't think anybody should feel shameful on. Now, it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. This woman stood by Aaron Hernandez through everything that he went through. Yeah. And. There's one moment in the documentary where they're on a call. He's inside. She's not. And he's like, how was your day? And she's like, well, I had to go through another search warrant. Yeah. And he's like, well, at least you have your freedom. And she's like, shh. <laughs> uh, gorgeous kid. Sad story. It ends with the fact that um, his brain was donated to science. They, I guess, scooped it out of him and um, uh, found that he had CTE, which was not a gigantic surprise. And then you throw that on top of whatever mental issues he was dealing with going into his football career. Uh, it, it only made it more difficult. So anyway, again, that's on uh, that's on Netflix. It's called The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Each episode's only about an hour, little maybe an hour and five minutes. So uh, worth getting through if you want to. Uh, I don't know, take your mind off of football for the. Uh, I guess not. Yeah, Why yeah. would you want to take your mind off of football? Not everybody. Super Bowls this week. I agree, but not everybody's like us, so they're not going to be. They're not as excited. Hey, uh, Friday, our next news and brews coming back right after the top of the hour. We'll tell you all about where we're going to be at HK's Bar and Grill in Rancho. Also, the latest on this high-rise fire in West L.A. We'll get all the details up next. You got a little, you can use much more. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. President Trump's impeachment trial shifting to questions from senators. As Republicans lack the votes to block witnesses, Republican senators straining for ways to deal with the fallout from John Bolton's book that's coming out in March. I'm a, I'm a little dismayed. I, I, not that I didn't expect this, but it seems like these questions are totally politically leaning. No. As if they're... if. If there was one, like, if there was a nugget that a senator needed answered, they're not doing it. They're just asking very politically uh, tainted questions so far. Um, the uh, the chartered airplane that was supposed to come in from Wuhan, China, and land at uh, Ontario Airport yesterday, we were talking about that. They diverted that plane overnight to land at March Air Reserve Base um, only because they said... They are better equipped to do that. There may have been some PR reasons that uh, Ontario Airport and San Bernardino County didn't want them there. But uh, anyway, those 201 people are now 
being taken care of. Uh, they'll be screened again to make sure that they do not have the coronavirus. Quite the scene this morning as flames shot out from the sixth floor of a 25-story high-rise residence building on Wilshire. Barrington Plaza is the name, and Chris Ancarlo is covering the story for us. Chris, the initial reports were that people were jumping out the windows, and then the fire chief came out and said that was absolutely not the case. Yeah, thankfully that uh, that is not what happened. So there were a couple of people that uh, were on their balconies and getting close to jumping out. Firefighters were able to get on the public address system and say, listen, uh, we are coming to you with a ladder truck. Don't jump. We are going to save you. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, so this was a incredibly active fire scene. Uh, firefighters were able to put it down just about, let's see, what time is it right now? 11 o'clock, about an hour and 10 minutes ago. Uh, they think it started on the 6th and or 7th floor. It it has been deemed suspicious in nature. Uh, we don't really know what that suspicion is, but we do know arson investigators are on scene. That is not atypical. Arson investigators are on scene anyway to check on on you know what the cause of the fire is. Uh, so we are waiting to hear from you know perhaps law enforcement as to whether or not um, they have anything any angle there on the suspicious nature of the fire. Uh, there were rooftop evacuations, which was also dramatic. So they had to you know call in their heavy helicopter to uh, drop. Um, down and hoist people off the rooftop because they had gone up there because they couldn't go down. As far as why they couldn't go down, I talked to a guy who was on the floor that the fire started and he tells me how he basically had to run across the entire building because the fire escape that he wanted to use he couldn't use for I, I don't know if it was on fire or what. So, here's what happens. I covered my face after I start to run to the opposite side and go downstairs but in the final exit, it, the fi- uh, exit was closed, the locket, the door was locked. That's the fire locket. So how could you lock that? So he ran into a situation where he couldn't get out of the building there for a wow. little bit until uh, he, and it was tough to understand in the moment, but it sounded like he said he kicked the door open uh, in order to, to get out. He was with someone else who he said was his neighbor who was uh, basic, basically naked because the guy actually asked for his shirt so he could breathe through his shirt. That's how thick the smoke was on their floor and as they were working their way down. Here's another issue. Uh, there are no sprinklers in Barrington yeah. Plaza. It's one of 60 older high-rise residential buildings in L.A., 60 that don't have sprinklers and, frankly, are not required to. It is, and what's also remarkable is there was a big fire here back in 2013. So you have, uh, in a weird way, that, that worked to the firefighters' advantage today because they had experience in this building. They understood what they were getting into, but... You know what doesn't work for their advantage at all is the lack of a sprinkler system. So certainly that will be an issue that is revisited with this fire and you know perhaps uh, with other buildings around LA that have been grandfathered out. And you know I mean this building I, I don't know the exact age on it, but when you look 63. at it, sixty-three. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it looks like it's been it was built in the nineteen sixties when we were very comfortable with that uh, boxy style apartment building that looked absolutely nauseating and we didn't care about architectural style at all. I mean that's basically what this this building is. Put as many units as you can into there and then just 
walk away from it. So uh, it is remarkable that there were no um, there were no sprinklers in there. And then also just I am I, stunned by the fact that they had to do those rooftop evacuations. We heard uh, Fire Chief Terrazas, Ralph Terrazas, talk about how novel that is, that uh, he can't remember the last time that they had to do something like that where they're rescuing people from the rooftop of a building because it's on fire below. And you can see just right along that 6th and 7th floor, uh, especially in the corner, and I don't, I don't have my compass in front of me, but I want to say that is the southwest uh, corner of the building. It is just, I mean, charred black marshmallow you left over the fire for uh, the entire time until it caught on fire and nobody wants to eat it. I mean, that's how black it is compared to the rest of the building, which is this sort of off-white. Any idea how this thing started? No. So that's that's the next phase of this story is going to be the suspicion was it criminal is this a criminal case and if so what was happening in there that caused it there were some accounts of some explosions i haven't been able to confirm that with firefighters or with police but we did hear stories like that uh, the guy i talked to he didn't say he heard anything that that exploded so um certainly there are theories abound that i'm not gonna spread right now but the possibility is that there was some activity here that uh, the police are going to get involved with. Chris and Carlo, thank you. Appreciate it. No, oh, you know what? I just got a hang on. I just got a notification uh, that uh, Chief Terraza says that someone has been taken into custody in connection with the fire. Wow. So um, I'm going to go find out more about that, guys. Excellent. Thank right. you. Let us know when you do. Yep, so we'll do. you right, have guys. to go back to 1974 to understand why there are no sprinklers in this high-rise residential building, as well as 60 more. Apparently, the L.A. City Council was worried about cost and voted to require sprinklers only in new commercial and residential high-rises. And Any residential high-rise constructed before 1943, those are all required to have sprinklers, but that leaves a 31-year period between 43 and 74. If that building was built between 1943 and 1974, not required to have sprinklers. They had talked about making older residential buildings accountable for, for, for this installing sprinklers, but condo owners successfully argued that it would cost too much. Glenn Rostin is the former vice president of the Greater L.A. Condo Association, and he's the one who led the fight against the sprinkler mandate. And he collected thousands of signatures from residents of high-rise buildings. And he argued that it doesn't make sense to install sprinklers because the odds of dying in a high-rise residential fire are 16 million to one against. For a couple different reasons. Um, He also argued that by installing sprinklers in some of these older buildings, you'd have to remove a bunch of asbestos, which causes problems. Uh, Other people have said it's just the fact that there would be water in those pipes that could potentially leak and cause even more damage than a fire would uh, on a regular basis. That nationally, from 2007 to 2011, there were an average of 15,400 high-rise fires each year. But over that five-year period, uh, only 46 people were killed per year, which is uh, not a lot considering you could get a lot more uh, fatalities in house fires. Well, the man in San Francisco who is tasked with cleaning up all the defecation has been arrested. The poo dude, they call him. Mm-hmm. I would. He's been arrested. We'll tell you what, uh, what's got him down on his luck. Gary and Shannon. And a thousand bucks. Yeah, we might be a candle in the wind. But let's pretend we're brown girls. We 
Shannon. KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Friday is the day. Join us out at HK's Bar and Grill in Rancho Cucamonga for our news and brews this Friday, 10 to 2, the first news and brews of 2020. Keeping an eye on the uh, plane that came in from Wuhan, China last night, landed at Reserve uh, March Air Reserve Base out in Riverside, carrying more than 200 people, uh, American citizens who were working, living in Wuhan, wanted to get them out of there before the uh, coronavirus thing spreads. But just because they came from the area, uh, they're going to keep an eye on them, maybe keep them quarantined as long as two weeks. We'll talk with Corbin Carson coming up a little bit later in the show once again. The Federal Reserve not taking any action on interest rates, saying it will continue to monitor the economy and assess what it may do in the future. Hey, we got a thousand bucks to give away. Here's how you can win it. For your chance at a thousand bucks, text the nationwide keyword coffee, C O F F E E, to 200 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's coffee to 200 200. And remember, you got to pick up the phone. If you don't, your money moves on. Looks like the number will be coming from a 513 area code. Your next chance to win next hour. And every hour, 5 a.m. to 6.20, Monday through Friday here on KFI. All right. Um, You do not know the name Mohammed Nuru, but he should be known as the Pooh Guru, Mohammed Nuru. He is the guy who is in charge of public works up in San Francisco. So among his many duties. (laughs) I've waited for like 20 minutes to say that. Among his many duties is keeping track of and cleaning up the human fecum that falls out of people's bodies on the streets of San Francisco. Well, he's one of two, get it? (laughs) One of two people who have been charged with fraud. Poop jokes. (laughs) FBI agents arrested Mohammed Nuru, the poo guru, and a guy named Nick Bovis, a high-profile restaurateur. You've been to Lefty O'Doul's. No, but I know of it. Okay. Yes. I've been to Lefty O'Doul's. That guy ran Lefty O'Doul's. I did not know that. They were arrested following a public corruption probe. Mm, Probe. Probe, Chris. Poo guru, number two. (laughs) Stop it. You're triggering me. I know. Um, They were arrested yesterday in their homes before the FBI unsealed a federal complaint for one charge of wire fraud. Uh, The poo guru, Muhammad Nuru, was also separately charged with lying to the FBI after he was initially arrested uh, last week and told to keep quiet about the investigation. When the FBI tells you to do something... I'm not a lawyer. Generally, you want to do what the FBI tells you to do. The poop guru, Nuru, is accused of corruption, bribery, kickbacks, and side deals by one of San Francisco's highest-ranking public employees. Both of these guys face up to 20 years in prison on that fraud charge. Uh, He has been a department head, that is Muhammad Nuru, the poop guru, has been a department head, been there for almost two decades And they're saying that he is deeply intertwined in San Francisco's city family. People like Willie Brown, former mayor, Gavin Newsom, former mayor, Ed Lee, former mayor, and current mayor London Breed. The other guy, Nick Bovis, uh, actually did some time in the 90s for robbery, went to state prison. And he (laughs) owns, like I said, Lefty O'Doul's, which is just like um, it's been there forever, right on Fisherman's Wharf there. And he was also the public face of the annual uh, Christmas toy drive. 
And they say that while they projected one image to the public, the two were quietly involved in a number of fraud schemes involving city resources. Um, so starting January two years ago, Poop Guru Muhammad Nuru and Nick Bovis began scheming to win a contract for a restaurant lease at SFO. That's got to be a pretty... That's got to be a pretty penny uh, yes. to get a restaurant lease at, a, at an international airport like that. They and said they, they gonna... bribed an unnamed airport commissioner. That... Well, they, they were at least tried to. We know that. They wanted to give this commissioner 5000 bucks in cash, a free trip, in exchange for voting in favor of that lease. But the airport commissioner declined to take the cash, and that all fell apart. So people started getting suspicious. This guy, uh, the poop guru, was also using his position in city government to work with an unnamed billionaire developer in China, putting together a multimillion-dollar project in San Francisco. And in exchange for travel and lodging and high-end booze, including a $2,000 bottle of wine, poop guru Nuru pledged to manipulate the building and inspection process in favor of this Chinese developer. I mean, I can tell the difference between... Uh eight dollar bottle of wine and a twenty dollar bottle of wine or even up to like a forty dollar bottle of wine you can taste the difference but how are you going to taste the difference between a fifty dollar bottle of wine and a two thousand dollar bottle of wine you're not it's no just you get to tell somebody i once had and who wants to be that guy well, there's a lot of people who want to be that be that guy um the mayor i i this is to me this is an interesting thing because the mayor has been put in these weird positions lately again the mayor of San Francisco. I cannot remember the last time there was a conservative mayor of San Francisco or even a moderate mayor of San Francisco. And London Breed is now in the position of sending out news releases to say, wait, I'm not as crazy as those people. Remember yesterday she put out a news release to condemn the new district attorney in San Francisco, Chesa Boudin, for dropping charges against a guy who attacked police officers with a bottle. And then today she has to put out a statement that says that she's going to fully cooperate with any investigation and that uh, poop guru Nuru is going to be on leave until the city can find an interim replacement. Um, I, uh, I think this goes on all the time. I think this stuff goes on all the time where city oh. officials promise kickbacks to various different to secure various uh, contracts and it, it take happens money in L.A. We know that. Oh, yeah. I think it happens all the time. I think these two must have run afoul of someone for them to, to get caught. A foul. Run afoul. <laughs> get it? <laughs> you guys are good. You got probe and running afoul. <laughs> yes. Keep it a list. Uh, what else can we say to offend him? A behind tutorial. He did t- time behind bars. Yeah. That's a good one. Bars. In the slammer. That. Uh, oh. How about launch an investigation? Woo. Yeah, they launched. How about we launch no. a probe? Yeah, launched a probe. Whoa, that would hurt. <laughs> mm. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the uh, the latest from the National Transportation Safety Board uh, about the helicopter crash that killed nine people in Calabasas on Sunday. That's coming up on Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. In the uh, Senate impeachment trial today, we're in the question-answer phase where senators get to write down questions and then turn them in 
And the guy at the head of the class today, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, has been reading out the short questions, giving both sides an opportunity to answer the questions. Uh, It's not lost on anyone that the first question that was read today was from a trio of senators that have been pretty important. All eyes are on the Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins trifecta. They were able to ask a question today that read this way. If the president had more than one motive for his alleged conduct, such as the pursuit of personal political advantage, rooting out corruption, and the promotion of national interests, how should the Senate consider more than one motive in its assessment of Article 1? Now, the president's legal team said if you've got more more than one motive, it's clear that the case fails completely. That was Patrick Philbin, one of the president's lawyers. So we'll talk more about that at 1230 when we get into Swamp Watch. Well, the helicopter carrying Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others did not have the recommended warning system to alert the pilot he was too close to land. But investigators say it's not clear if it would have averted that crash because the pilot may have lost control as the aircraft plunged into that mountain. Uh, Just heartbreaking audio out today. A Nest helicopter. I'm sorry, a Nest uh, home security system was able to record the helicopter. It's a 43 second audio clip of the helicopter of what sounds like a helicopter very close to this home uh, like a, whirl, a whirling overhead, and then there's a thud followed by just silence. It's odd. because Chilling. It's almost, I mean, the, the, the picture itself that doesn't capture any of the image of the helicopter at all, it's just someone's driveway with a minivan in it. But the sound of it, you know that something is about to happen. And when you listen to it for the first time, the anticipation of it is just eerie. Now, that system that you're talking about, the NTSB recommended the terrain awareness and warning system be installed on all passenger carrying helicopters in the United States. But it's just at that point, a recommendation. The NTSB can't make requirements. They just send their recommendation up to the FAA. The FAA never followed up on that recommendation. And again, to your point, uh, the NTSB says, even if it did have what's called the TAWS system, terrain awareness and warning system, That's not a guarantee that it would have operated correctly. That's not a guarantee that it would have been able to warn the pilot in time to avoid the hill that it eventually slammed into. Um, But it is something that that they are looking at in terms of one of the potential causes of this crash. Remains of the final victims were recovered yesterday. So far, the remains of Kobe, the pilot Ara Zobayan, and two other passengers have been identified using fingerprints. This pilot was well acquainted with the skies over L.A. Uh, He was accustomed to flying Kobe and other celebrities. He had spent thousands of hours taking passengers through what is very busy airspace. He trained students how to fly a helicopter. Friends, colleagues describe him as skilled, cool, collected. Obviously, the qualities you find often in a pilot. He had flown the day before the crash on a route with the same departure and destination. But on Sunday had to divert because of uh, heavy fog. And we've told you that the LAPD helicopters were grounded that morning because of fog. And some experts and fellow pilots are wondering whether he flew beyond the boundaries of good judgment and whether pressure to get this superstar client where he wanted to go played a role. And I've wondered that from the beginning. Do you mean um, the on that if it was not a charter flight? Ah, 
it would not have taken off or it would have returned or well, it wouldn't have chanced it. And it's one of those questions that in the event that they did have to put the, the helicopter down somewhere short of what their destination was, right? They wanted to go all the way out to Camarillo to land there, you know, take a car, town car, however they were going to get from there to uh, the sports academy where the basketball tournament was. What if they landed at Burbank or Van Nuys or something like that and were able to – I know it would have been an inconvenience perhaps, but, you know, if that changes this this whole story and what pressure was there – was it self-imposed pressure? Did this pilot just feel like he wanted to deliver for his client? Or were the people in the hel- helicopter saying, you know, we'll we'll be fine. Let's just try to push through this. The Associated Press spoke with Jerry Kidrick. He's a retired Army colonel who flew helicopters in Iraq. He now teaches in Prescott, Arizona, says that there can be pressure to fly VIPs despite poor conditions a situation he experienced when flying with military brass. He said the perceived pressure is, man, if I don't go, they're going to find somebody who will fly this thing. Uh, let's go live. We're down to the uh, Brentwood area, getting an update now from L.A. City Fire about the the fire that took place at that Barrington Plaza apartment tower today. Bring them to a nearby helipad at the VA hospital for uh, any further care. Ultimately, we had a total of eight patients. It certainly could have been a lot worse. There's 240 units, multiple people living in those units. Firefighters did an outstanding job. Uh, Out of those eight patients, only two were critical. They were all adults. Uh, We did have one three-month-old. That one was not critical. Uh, Out of those total of eight patients that were evaluated by firefighter paramedics, only six required transport to the local hospital. Uh, we did achieve a knockdown by 325 firefighters in approximately an hour and a half. Again, we did have a nearby uh, high-rise fire that started around 6.30, just blocks away from here. So fortunately, firefighters were in the vicinity. They were able to quickly transition the command to then uh, deal with this larger incident, and that really helped us get an upper hand very quick on this fire. Um, We do have our arson investigators that are on scene. Uh, They're working very closely with the LAPD, both of which are the best of the best. They're combing through debris, looking at burn patterns, talking to witnesses to determine exactly what sparked that fire. Uh, At this point, I'd like to go ahead and and hand it over to our our partners here with the LAPD to go into that further. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Justin Eisenberg. I'm the chief of the West Bureau for the Los Angeles Police Department. The first thing I want to say is just really congratulations to the L.A. City Fire Department for their heroic efforts to fight this fire. They came in with an aggressive attack and working hand-in-hand with each other and their air assets and some of our officers that responded to assist with evacuations. They prevented a lot of loss of life. They did some great work here today. It's just amazing what they can do and did do. In terms of the investigation, it's very, very early in this investigation. Right now, we don't know really if we have an arson or we have an accidental fire. It's very premature at this time. So we do have a lot of assets here. We have about 50 police officers here and detectives. We have specialized detectives from our major crimes division, from our robbery homicide division as well. And all of them are working very closely with LA City arson investigators to determine an origin and if in fact this is a crime or not. So we will certainly update you later today if it is in fact a crime. Uh, There is a rec center nearby uh, at Wilshire and Sepulveda. The Westwood Rec Center is the name of it. 
If there are people that are displaced and they can't get back here, they go to the Westwood Rec Center. There should be Red Cross there now. There are police officers there now, and they'll accommodate them at that rec center. Right now, I, I'm here to tell you that it's very preliminary. I can't say, I cannot confirm that. Is there a person in custody? No. No? No. Is there any suspect you're looking for? Not at this time. Was there ever Was there somebody in custody before? There's no one in custody. Is there ever anybody in custody? Question. Not at this time. Chief, does the same team also investigating the other fire that occurred two hours earlier, looking for possible connection? Yes. And what leads us to believe, other than time, that there might be a connection? Right now, there's no information that they are connected. The only reason uh, we would look into that, or the arson investigators would, is proximity. They're so close by, and, and at times, they were close in time and proximity. But there's no nexus yet at this time. Thanks for bringing that up, Pete. That's a very good point. If anybody does have any video or if we do have any witnesses, please come talk to us. Come talk to the LAPD. Give us your video. We'd love to see it if you have any. That's something we're going to look into. I can't say if we do or not this time. Thanks, Pete. Yes, this fire is considered suspicious. Because of the size of it, because we have injuries, because we're still trying to determine the origin, it's suspicious until we can rule it out. That's why. Did the fire start in a unit that was being rented as an Airbnb? I have no information that that's the case or not. We'll find out. Any, any, any indications that there may have been some sort of a drug lab in that area? Question whether it was related to a drug lab. That is how some fires start. Was there anything but I can't. Not that I know of at this time. It's really, really too premature to say. All right, that. we'll monitor this and uh, bring any pertinent informa information to you. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Yeah, we'll. Um, just a quick update is that they they said there were eight people injured in this fire in the Brentwood area, Barrington Plaza, this apartment complex just west of the 405. Two of them critically, but for the most part, uh, hundreds of people got out of that building safely. So that's the good news. You watch me bleed until I can't I guess in comparison to the others. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Of course, all of our trending stories coming up at the top of the hour. We'll talk about the Senate impeachment trial. They're in their question and answer phase today. Uh, and we'll talk with Inez De La Cotera. has been watching all of this at uh, 1230 when we get into Swamp Watch. One quick thing, uh, the coronavirus now that's... Uh, taking the Wuhan area of China by storm. It's apparently spreading faster and is larger than the SARS outbreak from several years ago. So uh, just something to keep our eyes on. Oh, I don't know. Global pandemic. Now, I'm not saying that there is. I'm just saying it pays to be a little fearful of these things. I think a little fear is going to be healthy for everybody. Lakers working out for the first time since Kobe Bryant's death. I saw on Twitter yesterday someone said, can we just cancel everything in LA and have some sort of parade or 
uh, memorial or something. And plans for a public Kobe Bryant memorial ceremony are underway. Uh, No details of a date or a location have been confirmed yet. But one issue was apparently, you know, Staples Center, which would be a go-to, known as the house that Kobe built, just isn't big enough. Isn't that bizarre? I mean, it's not bizarre, but they used the example of the Nipsey Hussle Memorial last year, where that place was overflowing for a guy who, as popular as he was, did not have the same notoriety that a Kobe Bryant does. Um, there was also discussion. I don't think there's anybody in Los Angeles that would turn out more people for a memorial than Kobe Bryant. Magic Johnson. No. You don't think so? No. Um, that's the only thing. I, that's the only character, figure, celebrity, anything maybe. that you I would maybe. think of. Maybe just because he has uh, been around for so long and he has done so much for the community. And Well, and his his chapter two, you know, the, the second yeah. part of his life after the basketball career was, I mean, wildly successful right? and, and may may not have been as high profile, but but still was yeah, very successful. Yeah, I think you're successful. right. Yeah. But, but in this case, they're talking about how, you know, Staples Center would be a wonderful venue, but it's too, even at 20,000 people, you're going to have 50,000 people out in the streets. Well, look at all the people that continue to go to Staples Center outside, just hundreds of people every day because they want to, to go to that memorial, they, uh, leave something, they want to be together, they want to be near uh, Staples TMZ reports that they're looking at the memor- uh, Memorial Coliseum as a venue. The Coliseum, as you know, can hold about 80,000 people. And then the surrounding parks could be used for overflow if needed. That is stunning. Can you in your life remember a memorial service no. for anyone, president, celebrity, anyone that garnered the attention of 80,000 people, or at least garnered the att- the discussion of where do we hold it large enough that we can fit everybody who wants to go? I did cover Ronald Reagan's funeral at, uh, at the library there, and I do remember just the steady stream of people coming in, and it was unrelenting. I don't know how many people ended up turning up for that, but... The Rose Bowl was brought up as a possibility because the capacity is larger, but they want to keep it within the city of L.A. I think the Coliseum would be fine. I think the Coliseum would be perfect, yeah. Um, There was also discussion, would the NBA, depending on when they figure out to do this memorial service, would the NBA cancel all of its games that day to allow current players to travel to Los Angeles to go to the memorial? I think so. I think so. Hmm. Um, the game from last night, of course, was postponed between the Clippers and the Lakers. Uh, and that's the only game that was postponed as a result of, uh, of Kobe Bryant's death. We'll see how they get back to it. Like you said, the, the Lakers have practiced again for the first time since, uh, since the death. People are opining, uh, who would bring out a crowd like Tommy Lasorda, Michael Jordan. Here's the thing. Uh, one of the reasons that this is hitting so hard is the tragic nature of the death. You know, Tommy Lasorda is sudden accident. 85 or, or at least at least. And, um, and his, his, the nature of the second half of his career, I guess. I mean, cause I would have met, it wasn't very high profile as a player at all, but was high profile as the manager. So yeah. after he was the manager, he was still definitely a face of the Dodgers organization, but 
I don't think that uh, garners the same amount of attention. You know, and Michael Jordan was able to live his life after his career. This was somebody just starting out, and and he was doing so in a spectacular fashion, living for his kids, it seemed. Hmm. All right, we come back, get into all of our trending stories. We have Swamp Watch coming up. We're going to revisit the coronavirus story out of March Reserve Air Base. And Chris and Carlos is going to join us about the uh, fire over in Brent. we still got a lot to get to on the Gary and Shannon Show. In the question and answer session of the Senate impeachment trial, one of the questions was, why did the House managers do this to us so that the Senate can't do the business that we were brought to Washington, D.C. to do? <laughs> That's great. Why have they given us busy work? Uh, very politically loaded questions for the most part so far. Uh, as the senators have been writing down questions, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court reads them out and then Attorneys, uh, the House managers on one side and then the attorneys for the president on the other have a couple, couple minutes to answer each question to address them. So uh, we'll talk with Inez de la Cutera coming up at the bottom of the hour in Swamp Watch about some of the questions that have been asked and answered so far today. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, there was a fire on a 25-story high-rise residence building on Wilshire Boulevard in West L.A. today. This was quite the scene as it looked like at least part of the sixth floor was fully engulfed, flames shooting out from the windows, the broken down windows. At one point, there was a man who had crawled outside and seemed to be just perched on the building there. They had to use the aerial ladder to go up and get him. The first reports were that people were jumping out of the sixth floor windows. That was quickly put to bed by the fire chief who said that was not the case. Looks like a total of eight people were injured, mostly smoke inhalation, uh, one person suffering critical injuries and a three-month-old baby uh, that they're treating as well. Hypothetical. You are standing on the ledge of that sixth or seventh story window. There's a firefighter with a ladder that's coming to you, or there's that giant stuntman airbag at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the walkway directly beneath you. I go to the firefighter every time. Okay, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Because they did. They had that giant airbag inflated ready to go in case yeah. something happened, but uh, but it didn't. Uh, the coronavirus update, the American evacuees from the Wuhan area are now going to be quarantined at uh, March Air Reserve Base in Riverside, or right near Riverside. They had 201 people on board that plane. And here's a question, and I don't think we have an answer yet. The State Department originally said there would be 240 people. I don't know if that was an estimate or if that was whatever, because only 201 ended up in Riverside. I think the plane carries 240. Maybe that's what it was. Um, These are all civilians who work for the consulate there or civilians who live there, Americans that have registered with the State Department and came out. Many of them are uh, people that would be particularly vulnerable to a coronavirus, like uh, young people. There are, I think, eight or nine kids aboard. And then people with uh, compromised immune systems or something like that. When the crew said, welcome home to the United States, the whole plane erupted in cheers. This thing is fast moving. It's killed 132 people, infected nearly 6,000 others in China. 91 cases have been confirmed outside of China. We've got five here in this country. Update on the Fotis Dulos case that we were talking about yesterday. Right before we took the air, 
there was a report that Fotis Dulos, a guy accused of killing the estranged his estranged wife and mother of five kids, that he had committed suicide successfully. And then that story changed to say that they had found a faint pulse and they were going to take him to the hospital to try to uh, try to revive him and then put him into a was it a hyperbaric chamber. It turns out that there was a hose attached to the tailpipe of his Chevy Suburban parked in the garage that apparently ran through and went into the uh, one of the windows as he tried to kill himself. Well, we now have standards for supervisors of sex scenes in Hollywood. Oh, did you get that email this morning? I did. Did you print it out? I did not. Ah, uh, I did. You did. Oh, I got it on the. I got it on my desk in the other room. Are you counting on supervising sex scenes somewhere? I'm just saying that you never know how this goes. These are what? What is this? The show. I mean, you think we're going to be supervising sex scenes? If I need to keep my union card active and something happens here, I could do that as a side job. These are policies for intimacy coordinators. Under the guidelines, intimacy coordinators, Gary, will have pre-production meetings with producers, directors, and writers to establish the exact degrees of nudity expected and the specifics of simulated sex as established in scripts. So what you'll say is, mm-hmm. uh, is the left breast exposed or left and right? Right. And how much of the left breast? Are we talking 100% exposure? Are we talking about 50% nipple? No nipple. I I think this is exactly the minutia that they're going to drill down. Sounds so romantic. I also, as an intimacy coordinator, would be able to review the so-called modesty garments and physical barriers that are used during simulations of on-screen sexual activity. Whenever you say that, I think of one scene from a show that I never even watched I, you that I know it. too I know much exactly about. The, I, 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 the I didn't problem. even know that was Hold a on. thing. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know that was in the cheesecake menu. That show? Yes. Yeah. The cheesecake menu. (laughs) The cheesecake factory And then she went on to play Peter Pan, didn't she? (laughs) My childhood is gone. I know. I know. Uh, Anyway, Amanda (laughs) Blumenthal. Nick, we're going to need to get Amanda Blumenthal in here soon. She is the founder of the Intimacy Professionals Association. Mm. She helped create these guidelines. She sounds like a lot of fun. That's why I think we should get her in here. Give her an opportunity to explain what the hell's going on. Uh, And then finally, a guy's going to go to jail because he can't stop feeding the cats. guy named Paul Rodriguez lives in Gilbert, Arizona. He's had several encounters with local police over the last year because of his nightly routine of providing food for stray and feral cats. They're going to lock him up for this? Oh, hell yeah. Mm. Well, it doesn't help that when he was arrested... um, May of last year, he was providing false information to police officers. He claimed that he'd received permission from property owners to feed cats. Well, what's Kevin going to do? Where's he going to get his food? If Kevin's still alive, he is not well. Because he would have been 22 years old by now. Oh, yeah. And cats don't. Oh, that's too bad. In general, cats don't really live that That's too bad. I didn't kill the cat. The cat probably died of old age. That had nothing to do with me. You gave the cat to a shelter. I gave the a very attractive, mostly well-behaved cat to a shelter, and all it said was, don't put him in a house with kids. All right. 
news and brews. Guys, I'm serious. You got to get out there. It's wow. this Friday. HK's Bar and Grill. Gary will let you do things. Like uh, that one time he let that woman grope him. Well, there was a couple gropings. There was one groping in Huntington Beach where a woman grabbed a handful of the backside. Mm-hmm. And then there was the groping at let San me also Antonio say, Winery. Hold on. That first one, uh, my wife did nothing to protect my integrity. No, she's, I think she smiled. She laughed. Chuckled a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never felt like more of a piece of meat. Um, if you're interested, uh, they do have the fried pickles there at HK's Bar and Grill. Stop it right now. Not kidding. Your I choice. need fried pickles. Dipped in beer batter and fried golden brown. You can either get creamy sriracha or spicy well, apricot they also sauce. They sausage and peppers. They do have sausage and peppers. Oh, and there's grilled cheese. They, they do have grilled cheese. What's that wiener on the right? I'm Scroll s- up. Excuse me? Scroll up. I think I saw. You need a coordinator for that. Oh, an intimacy coordinator. Sorry, go on. Do they have bacon? They do have all kinds of bacons. Mm. They Did have you see sliders, the too. too. Yes. Very reasonable. Yeah. Sliders Great prices. Too. Pulled pork sandwich for eight bucks. Yeah. And that's not even to mention the specials that they're going to have on Friday when we were out there. Oh, man. You okay? <laughs> I'm trying to decide. <laughs> you don't, you've got two days left to decide. You don't have to decide until you get out there. Okay. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Also, your chance at a thousand bucks coming up. Nobody wants to be alone. But tonight, Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. In fact, one of the other things you can hear on the iHeartRadio app is the ongoing impeachment trial in the Senate. When you download the iHeartRadio app and you type in impeachment. In the little search bar, you'll find a live feed of what's been going on in the Senate. You can hear the questions and answers that are going on today. We'll talk more about that at the bottom of the hour. Um, NTSB says that that helicopter that crashed in Calabasas on Sunday was not equipped with a piece of equipment they call a terrain awareness and warning system. Uh, It could have sounded an alarm if the aircraft was in danger too close to the ground, too close to the hill. Uh, The equipment is apparently recommended by the NTSB, but not required by the FAA. We got a thousand bucks to give away. Here's how you can win it. For your chance at a thousand bucks, text the nationwide keyword change, C H A N G E, to 200 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's change to 200 200. Winners answer the phone, losers let it go to voicemail. If you don't win this time, there's another chance an hour from now, all the way through 6:20 at night here on KFI. We're giving away a thousand bucks an hour. Your big prop bet? You don't do a lot of prop bets. No. There, I I love reading them. I would never put money on any of them, but I love reading the different pop prop bets. It seems like every year for the Super Bowl they do the prop bet of how long does it take for blank to sing the national anthem? The over under being two minutes, and what I love is that CBS went through and researched things about these prop bets. I'm going to read to you their suggestion. They say, Demi Lovato, by the way, singing a national anthem on Sunday. They say, Demi Lovato blazed past two minutes when she sang the anthem at Mayweather McGregor in 2017, but her previous renditions, all of which came outdoors, finished shy of the two-minute mark. While the over is more likely to hit, the value play is on the under. I feel like you have, listen, I'm a gambler. Yes. I spend a lot of time and money gambling. 
Not that that's a problem. I love video poker. Right. I love slot machines. I love pie gal. Mm-hmm. I love blackjack. I love all of it. Roulette. I don't play craps. Craps is the only thing I don't play. But prop bets to me indicate a serious gambling problem. Prop bets. If you're gambling on how long Demi Lovato is going to sing for, I think that's an issue. <laughs> well, yes, but they could also be a massive moneymaker. Do you remember uh, four four years ago? The first score in the Super Bowl was a safety and that paid like 200 to one. Who's you... the horse's ass that's going to make a bet that the first play is a safe, the first some, scoring play some, is a safety? Some guys did. That's that guy needs thing. help. That guy needs a center. Um, the One of the great prop bets that I saw was, you know, other than the, the who's the first player to score a touchdown in the game. I think CBS chose Debo Samuel. But they say, what is the jersey number of the first player to score the first touchdown? And then they give you options from 1 to 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30, all the way through. Uh, and then they also say that the there is an odd on... No touchdowns scored in the entire game, which I think is 2,500 to one. That's a dumb, dumb aspect, too. <laughs> you say history is going to be made in Miami on Sunday, and it doesn't have anything to do with Patrick Mahomes or Jimmy G, for that matter. For the first time in the 54-year history of the Super Bowl, two teams that have red as their primary color will be meeting. Additionally, Chiefs and Niners both have a red and gold color scheme. They once exact wore the exact same color red. Today, the 49ers red is a little darker than the Chiefs. And I never thought about this. The Chiefs owe their logo to the 49ers. It's kind of like the same deal. Yeah, but the gold in the San Francisco uniform it has always been gold. Gold. It's not a yellowish gold. It's not a golden rod. It's gold. Both teams played and won their two postseason games in their own red jerseys. The AFC champion was designated the home team for this Super Bowl, so the Chiefs got their choice, and they chose the red jerseys, white pants. 49ers will be in the white jerseys, gold pants that uh, Montana wanted in. They wanted all white, though, didn't they? They, they did. They wanted their 94 uh, jerseys and pants that they wore in the... Uh... What goes into that decision? Not not for them. I mean, the team, I understand that they would have uh, either superstition or just they look cool. But why would the league not allow that? Because the league sucks. They have all these arcane rules that they have to adhere to. Mm. I mean, the the guys, if they want to change the the name on the back of their jersey, have to wait. Like a couple seasons to do it or something. Is there's all these dumbass rules that the league has. The no fun league. <laughs> uh one of the other prop bets that I saw that would make you mad is the New Jersey based sports book called Points Bet is offering one hundred to one odds that Kyle Shanahan will blow another twenty eight to three lead. Oh God. Screw you. <laughs> I knew that would make you mad. He learned to run the ball. Didn't you see the game the other week? <laughs> yeah, when he asked Jimmy to pass the ball eight times. Right. Was that because he didn't trust him or he didn't need him? It's because he didn't need him. If you can win running the ball and playing punch-you-in-the-throat football, you're going to run the ball as long as it's successful. Just Absolutely. Old, just old-fashioned football. Control the clock, run it. the ball. Um, you can also wager on how many touchdowns you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to throw. You can uh, wager on who will be the MVP. Um, of course, Patrick Mahomes is two to one odds. Jimmy Garoppolo is only three to one odds. 
but those two, of course, would be the most likely. The other thing is who's going to turn over the ball first, and those two are the have the highest odds because they touch the ball every play, just about. So it's not an unusual, or uh, you're not going to make a lot of money on some of those bets. But they're they're still fun to read. Have you nailed down your Super Bowl party yet? The menu. Yes. The guests. Mm-hmm. Are you sad that I'm not going to be there? Oh, I'm sorry. Were you, were you looking for information about the party that you're going to miss? <laughs> you know I would be there if I wasn't at the actual game. No, you did say also you're not sure you would go because you were afraid that you were going to burn gonna, the house down. I was <laughs> a little bit afraid, but I was willing to take that risk and roll those dice. Uh, when we come back, the latest on the Senate impeachment trial. What's going on with the questions and, and answer sessions today? Gary and Shannon will continue with Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, L.A. firefighters rescued terrified people from the rooftop this morning of a 25-story high-rise apartment building where a fire broke out on the west side on the sixth-floor balcony. And flames you can see just shooting out that sixth floor. You can see smoke going up through the upper levels. One person critically injured. Officials said the early reports that some people may have jumped out of the building were not true. And then the people who fled to the roof of the building were rescued by helicopters. The chief saying the fire has been deemed suspicious. Interesting uh, report from Boeing. Of course, they've been having problems with their 737 MAX airplanes. They posted their first annual loss in more than two decades. The costs related to the grounding of the 737 MAX doubled to more than $18 billion, with a B, $18 billion. They said that they lost a billion in the fourth quarter. Revenue is down more than a third from a year ago. Uh, at the top of next hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Corbin Carson. Again, we're going to get the latest on the uh, Coronavirus Express, that plane that came in from Wuhan, China overnight and landed at uh, March Reserve Air Base there in Riverside. But we begin with Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, a new phase of the president's impeachment trial began today. Senators posing questions to the House managers and the president's attorneys about the president's conduct toward Ukraine. Debate continues over whether to call witnesses. Inez de la Cutera is there on Capitol Hill and has been watching all of the proceedings. Inez, how's it going? Hey, hanging in there. (laughs) Uh, The first question today went to Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney. Talk about the importance of those three. Yeah, so Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and and Mitt Romney are some of the moderate Republicans, three of the four moderate Republicans that we're watching to see how they end up voting on this issue of witnesses. So hanging over this Q&A portion of the trial that we're moving into is this issue of witnesses, whether people like former National Security Advisor John Bolton should be allowed to testify. We know that a majority of Republicans are still opposed to having witnesses testify. They say that uh, the time for evidence gathering is over, that that 
that was the House's job and that the House decided to rush the impeachment inquiry and that the the Senate's job is simply to decide whether or not to convict the president. Uh, Democrats, of course, are arguing that, uh, no, you can't have a trial without witnesses, that uh, there are new witnesses coming forward like John Bolton, uh, who have said that they would subpoena if they are, uh, that they would testify if they are subpoenaed and that the Senate and the American public deserve to hear from them. So moderate Republicans uh, have said that they are looking at siding with Democrats on this issue, on this witness issue. We know Mitt Romney and Susan Collins have already indicated that they plan to vote with the Democrats to have witnesses be part of the trial. Uh, People like Lisa Murkowski and Lamar Alexander is, is another moderate Republican we're watching. They still haven't said how they plan to vote. So all eyes on those two and on others as well, other Republicans who may uh, decide to side with the Democrats. Seems like John Roberts got a little judgy today as he cut off some of the uh, some of the managers as they went over their time limit. That's right. It's been interesting to see John Roberts uh, really take center stage here. He's, of course, been up there throughout these proceedings, but kept, you know, relatively quiet. Um, and, and today he is the one in charge of reading aloud these questions that are being submit, submitted in writing by the senators. John Roberts trying as hard as possible to, uh, to, to show as little emotion as possible as he reads. Uh, these questions. He the last thing the last thing he wants is to appear partisan. So he's really trying to uh, to read these questions with as little emotion as possible. And he really is enforcing the time. Each side here has uh, five minutes to respond. And 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 John Roberts is cutting off people once their time is up. Can you explain the difference between Mitch McConnell saying he does not have votes to bar witnesses, but Republicans saying they're confident that there won't be witnesses? Yeah, so that's politics. Yeah, but Mitch McConnell, right? Uh, so we know that lawmakers, uh, Republican lawmakers, all huddled, senators, all huddled behind closed doors yesterday to uh, discuss the, the next steps here and what to do specifically when it comes to this witness issue. And we are told that Mitch McConnell told senators that he does not have the votes as of now to block witnesses. And that's because uh, of these moderate Republicans that we were just talking about who are considering voting with the Democrats, and there could be others as well. Uh, we know John Thune. Uh, he talked about this. Uh, to, he told our, our Trish Turner yesterday that he is looking at those four moderate Republicans and others, he said. So there could be other other Republicans. Um, but like you mentioned, the White House on the flip side is, is saying that they are going to, con- to continue blocking witnesses. They're going to do everything they can to block witnesses from uh, testifying. And you've got other Republican lawmakers who are insisting that they're confident they, that, that this is it that the measure isn't going to pass? Um, so, so we'll see what happens. This witness issue is still unclear as of now. The vote count is still unclear. Uh, and then finally, have we been hearing anything outside of uh, the Senate chambers from those four senators who are currently running for president? Uh, that their complaint is there any complaint that this is dragging on too long? Are they mad they can't go back to Iowa and and, and you know campaign ahead of the caucuses? Yeah, I think the the general feeling from those four senators running for office who have to be here is they would, I think, rather be in Iowa, but they understand that this is their duty to be in that room. And they haven't said yet, you know, if this is initially we thought that there would be no or there would be a vote on witnesses, but that there was no way this would pass. And so that the trial would wrap up pretty quickly and that the president would be acquitted uh, as early as the end of the week. Now, because of this John Bolton revelation, it's looking like that's 
that's not going to be the case and that the trial could drag on for much longer, which, you know, raises the possibility that some of these uh, senators who are running for office may not even get to go to Iowa. The, the Iowa caucuses will be on, on Monday and they may not make it there in time. They may have to hang back in Washington for this trial. Uh, they haven't said yet, you know, how they feel about that. We know they take their jobs as senators very seriously, but that'll be something to watch. It would be certainly an interesting development if those uh, presidential candidates can't make it to Iowa for the caucuses. And as De La Cutera, appreciate your time. Great stuff as always. Thank you. We come back. Uh, another, Iowa. Another poll. Iowa. Yeah. The caucuses. This is. Five da- I almost said the, I almost did a different plural. Huh. Um, cockeye? Yeah. I almost did cockeye, which I don't know if is erroneous. Could be both of them work. What's the plural? Well, Why the don't plural, you say it and just see what happens? The plural of caucus. Is caucuses. But I think it could be cockeye as well. You know, I'll do a deep dive on on the English language, but I know you get all fired up for the Iowa caucuses slash cockeye, and we're just five days away, and Andrew Yang has racked up another big name. Dave Chappelle. Yes. Do you see his video where he explains? Thanks for ruining my tease. Oh, I'm sorry. Your horse's ass. Gary and Shanna will continue in a moment. Baby be the class clown. I'll be the beauty queen tears. It's a new iPhone showing people out new each year. We're so happy. Even when we're smiling out of fear. Let's go down to the tennis court and talk it up like yeah. Yeah. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app on this uh, Wednesday. It's January 29th. At the top of the hour, we're expecting another news conference update on that fire that burned at uh, Barrington Plaza at the corner of Wilshire and Barrington today. 25-story apartment complex there uh, just west of the 405. They said there were eight people who were injured, a couple of them critically, but... Uh, nobody jumped off the building, even though that was one of the original reports that we heard. So uh, we'll see if we get an update. They, they were describing the fire as suspicious. Um, the LAPD said it was suspicious only because they didn't know how it started. And uh, even though there were reports that somebody may have been taken into custody, the LAPD officer who spoke in the last moment, sorry, in the last news conference, said that there was nobody in custody. A quick Kobe Bryant update. Uh, Vanessa Bryant, Kobe's wife, widow, has, they say that she's broken her social media silence, but it's really not that. No, she, she just changed her Instagram profile picture. Yeah, she changed it to a picture of uh, of Kobe with his, uh, his daughter, Gianna, who was killed in that crash as well uh, back on Sunday. All right, uh, in the middle of Swamp Watch, talking about what's going on. In politics in Washington, D.C. You can tell a lot about a man by the way he holds his pole. Well, we're going to see a couple more polls between now and Monday, which, of course, is the Iowa caucuses. As of right now, according to a new Monmouth poll, Joe Biden, the first choice of 23% of these likely caucus goers, uh, marginally ahead of Bernie Sanders at 21. So Biden 23, Sanders 21. Buttigieg at 16, Warren at 15, and Amy Klobuchar at 10. 
I wonder if, you know, based on how the caucuses go, it's not a straight vote like you would see in a primary here in California. It's the weird meetings where you go and literally stand in the corner of the room that designates which candidate you yes. support. And if they don't get enough, then the, the, the like the bottom candidate drops out and then those people get to re-caucus to go somewhere to one other corner I or area of the room. to re-caucus. Uh, the, the problem with the re-caucusing is... I wonder if there's and I know this is this this is the scenario it's been before in Iowa is that people are going to split the vote. If you've got, you know, moderates like and I'm using the quote uh, finger quotes here, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. And then you've got the more progressive candidates like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. How much of the vote splitting affects who's going to be chosen as the uh, the winner in the Iowa caucuses? We'll see on Monday night, of course. The outsized clout of the Iowa caucuses have everything to do has everything to do with a quirk of history that NBC News was reporting today that put the state at the head of the Democratic line in the 1972 nominating process. They say back then it's make or break power was revealed almost by accident when a late forming consensus that George McGovern's 23 percent showing, in fact, represented an impressive display of. Of strength, It was only good for third place, but McGovern, a senator from South Dakota at the time, ended up the Democratic nominee. And then from there, future candidates took note. Dave Chappelle is in Iowa for Andrew Yang, talking about the importance of a universal basic income and how Andrew Yang is his candidate because that could mean real change for people. I saw him in a dressing room scene. I don't know where exactly he was supposed to be, but he was answering questions of reporters from uh, about why he would choose Andrew Yang in all of the candidates that are still in the race. And uh, one of the things that I thought was very well thought out in his response was Andrew Yang is the one who's forcing people to have conversations and he's forcing people to ask questions about why it is, number one, why it is they would vote for Donald Trump and how it is you would get Donald Trump out of office. One of the things that he was suggesting was he understands, this is Dave Chappelle saying, he understood why people voted for President Trump and that that same mentality could allow you to vote for somebody like Andrew Yang, not a politician, not a guy who is known for, you know, kissing hands and shaking babies, but getting out there and doing something different in Washington, D.C. So Joe Biden had an awkward moment in Iowa. There's video of it. There's a guy who appears to want to get a picture with Joe Biden, and it's a pretty tight shot video. And the man is saying to him that he wants Joe Biden to stop supporting the building of new pipelines. And Joe Biden just says, well, go vote for somebody else and kind of goes off on him in terms of like, you know, you, you come over here, you want a picture with me, and then, you're, you know, you're going to – and he starts talking about how uh, he's probably going to vote for, for Bernie Sanders, and the man says, no, I'm going to vote for Tom Steyer. Uh, and uh, Joe Biden. Bi- he's going to vote – why is he heckling Joe Biden? I don't know. but And then the guy's like, well, I'll vote for you in the uh, in the general election. And Biden's like, well, I'm here for the primary. I need you in the primary, you know. It's just – it's an awkward exchange because at one point – Joe Biden grabs hold of the guy's jacket a little bit. <laughs> Biden just looks pissed off in this video. I can imagine he's got a temper on him. I mean, we've seen yeah. him. We've seen him in those instances before. Um, 
I just I I don't get that. If you why would you heckle a politician like that that you don't support? I mean, at, at this point in the process, I could understand you get into uh, to August. Joe Biden is your Democratic nominee, if that's how it goes. And then you start to say, listen, I think your position should be this or I'm I'm lobbying my local Democratic politicians to change the the national platform when it comes to oil and pipelines uh, but to go after him now and then to say but i'm voting for tom steyer yeah it just seemed like a gotcha moment then why are you there um we will uh of course have ridiculous a lot of coverage on the iowa caucuses coming up next an update on the coronavirus Five cases in the United States. Oh, and a plane full of people from China just landed in Riverside. What's the worst that could happen? We'll do that next on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Senators have uh, been questioning impeachment managers and President Trump's lawyers by submitting questions to the Chief Justice sitting in uh, control of the Senate chamber today. They said they're going to schedule 16 hours, as much as 16 hours for this question and answer session. They're in a lunch break as of right now. And then a vote on whether or not to hear witnesses in the trial would be expected on Friday. President also today signed the USMCA in a ceremony in the South Lawn of the White House with a legislative accomplishment, even though the uh, the impeachment has been keeping Congress busy for the last several weeks. The White House has issued a formal threat to John Bolton to keep him from publishing his book that's due out in March, according to CNN. How do you do that? A top official at the National Security Council wrote that the unpublished manuscript appears to contain significant amounts of classified information and cannot be published as written. This is in a letter to John Bolton's lawyer. Yeah, but I don't think it's the White House that gets to determine that. I think, hmm, unless the National Security Council. Anyway, doesn't matter. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, big news today is that there was uh, the coronavirus express that flew in from Wuhan, China, uh, made its way to Alaska very early this morning and then uh, flew on down here to California. Corbin Carson is covering the story and joins us now. Corbin, what do you know? Well, I'm feeling fine. Thank you for asking. Uh, being so close to this situation, but so the the plane came into March Air Reserve Base in Riverside here in Riverside County early this morning. It had 201. Uh, U.S. citizens on it. These are mostly uh, uh, consulate workers and employees, their families. There were some teenagers, some toddlers. There's also a few U.S. private uh, uh, private citizens that were on board. Here's the process they went through. We've been wondering about what actually happened for the last uh, maybe 72 hours since the plane took off. It took off from China, went to Alaska, and then landed here this morning. So health officials are now telling us the group of passengers were screened several times, not just in China before they took off, but also through the flight process before landing at the at the base. The group of people, like I said, is made up of those t- um, teenagers and toddlers. They say they were screened before leaving China, monitored.
monitored on the plane, screened again in Alaska, and that they're in the process now of getting screened again. For the next 72 hours, the group will undergo intensive screening, which includes temperature checks every 12 hours, as well as nasal swabs and blood tests that will be sent to the CDC labs. Then the group will be monitored for the next 14 days until what's believed to be the end of the incubation period time for this virus. Now, this hold is voluntary, and there was quite a bit of questioning on this part. From what I understand, these are government workers happy to be back in America, and they also want to be sure they don't have the coronavirus. But let me let Dr. the CDC doctor Chris uh, Braden explain this better. These uh, people are not under federal quarantine orders. I've personally talked to them when uh, they were disembarking and after they uh, went through their first uh, screening checks. Uh, they were happy to be here. They were uh, very much uh, cooperative uh, with, with the questions. And also, when I talked to them uh, about uh, their uh, willingness to stay to be fully evaluated over three days or so, um, all those that I talked to were very willing to do that. They wanted to know uh, their own status. They wanted to know the status of their children. They wanted to protect their family. They wanted to protect others. And, the, and he said, overall, he want, they want to make sure that they don't get anyone sick, but they also are U.S. employees and citizens who deserve to come home. The, the, my understanding is there's still hundreds of American citizens that are, that are there in that area. How did they choose these 200-plus to, uh, to get on this plane? These are U.S. employees. There's a, I think there's 1,000 people. I, I, I think the latest reports were in Wuhan, uh, which is a city of uh, some 11 million. But these were employees. Uh, at first, it was 240 that were on the uh, chartered plane to come home. Uh, we're told that some of those didn't show up. Um, some didn't have proper paperwork, and uh, one person had a fever, and you can't go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the uh, the travel arrangements uh, for these people were – now, again, it, it is important to point out, again, I want to want to emphasize this voluntary point because this was a big deal. Um, the If someone is like, I'm leaving, they can. But the doctors were like – However, they would make this decision in the middle of a military base, and then officials would get to decide that person's status. There, If there's any risk to the public, they have the power to impose an individual quarantine on the person or family. But again, it doesn't appear like anyone wants to leave. Corbin, that's perfect. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Corbin Carson there out there at uh, March Air Reserve Base in Riverside County where the plane was taken carrying these 201 passengers from Wuhan, China. Um, the uh, the most amazing thing about this, the whole coronavirus issue so far has been that uh, the numbers in China still seem really low for as many people as there are involved. Which is why I was surprised to read that they think that this is going to be bigger than the SARS outbreak. Well, they said that it's it's now surpassed it. I think in terms of size and the and the spread rate, but I, again, I just I I've, why I don't have any basis that the Chinese government is lying to us, other than it's there's the no benefit government. for them to tell us the truth. Well, and they're so protective over information. Yeah, um, yeah, sixteen countries globally. This thing has spread to 130 people have died, close to six thousand have been infected. There is no specific cure or vaccine. 
The World Health Organization says an international team of experts is being assembled to go to China and work with experts there to learn about how the disease is transmitted. And remember, this is just a couple of days after they, they've been canceling flights. I think it was British Airways and American has said that they're not going to fly into China or they'll greatly reduce the number of flights that they have in and out of China. The incubation period, as Corbin said, is as much as 14 days. So we really don't get a good idea of how widespread this thing is until Valentine's Day, basically, when when the virus has had a chance to spread and the symptoms have had an opportunity to show themselves. Great. Uh, I wonder about that crew that was on the plane. Remember, we uh, reported that when they landed, they said, welcome to the United States, and everyone erupted in applause. And it got me thinking about when the crew announced it. I'm like, well, who, who gets that straw? To fly on a on a plane with two hundred people who may or may not have a deadly virus. Well, and uh, if you get overtime for that, it was a seven forty seven, <laughs> and I wonder if the crew has their own bathroom. Oh, I'm sure they there can, were, had they, to have been uh, a number of precautionary measures. Taken. If you're a pilot, co-pilot, maybe navigator, or somebody sitting in that jump seat up front, you can close that flight deck door. You don't have to see anybody. Well, you would know. Being a there was no there was no flight deck door in the plane. Yeah. I flew. Nice job, Ice. Thanks, Alex. How do you say Alex Stone in Chinese? <laughs> All right, we've got Chris and Carlo coming up next about that big fire in that high rise in West LA this morning that engulfed the sixth floor there. We also have a thousand bucks to give away, and our news and brews coming up this Friday, just two days away. We're going to be out at HK's Bar and Grill. On 19th Street, you know where it is there in Rancho Cucamonga. We'll be out there doing the show live from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. And we were talking about a little bit earlier, there will be a lot of audience participation this time around. We're going to try some new things, perhaps, when we do our show. Audience participation. What could go wrong? News and Bruce coming up Friday the 31st. Find out all the information, KFIAM640.com, and use the keyword Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeart radio app. You hear about the space junk that's going to collide over Pittsburgh tonight? Yeah, we're going to be talking about that coming up next. Uh, They say that potentially hundreds of pieces of debris could be colliding into functioning satellites. Did you hear about the giant locust swarms in Africa that are ruining crops and creating famine? So we've got locusts. Yeah. Bad satellites. Yeah. And SARS-like viruses. Yeah. Yeah. It's starting to get hot in here, isn't it? You seem to be more panicked than usual. I just think having a little bit of fear as a motivator is always a good thing. I'm not saying crazy fear. I'm not going to like go live on a compound anytime in the next couple days. What do you want the coronavirus and fears over it to propel us to do? Wash your hands. Wash your damn hands. And if you have a cold, don't go to work. And if you have the flu, stay home. Yeah, Morgan looks like crap, man. She, she just she just left sick. She looks like one of those Victorian people, those sick children. Yeah, she looked like she was the ill one from Sense and Sensibility. 
Yes. I don't know if there was a sick one in that. No, was it something or was that um, Pride and Prejudice? She looks like the sick one from Pride and Prejudice. I forget. It may have been Little Women. We got a thousand bucks for your chance at a thousand bucks. Text the nationwide keyword cash, C A S H, to 200 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's cash to 200 200. Winners answer the phone, losers let it go to voicemail. You've got to pick up to pick up a thousand bucks. We are giving away a thousand dollars an hour between 520 in the morning and 620 at night right here on KFI. Well, quite the scene in West L.A. as flames shot out of the sixth floor of a 25-story apartment building. Residence building, I guess you you could say, this morning. Chris Ancarlo has been covering the story. Flew right out there when we saw all the fire and stuff. What was the latest update from L.A. City Fire? Yeah, you know, I think we, we can safely call this an apartment building um, instead of a residence building. But whatever you guys want to use. Uh, Let's see. Latest information that we just got. Two 30-year-olds were uh, in, it, it appears they were roommates in the apartment where the fire started. And uh, that's preliminary information. One of them right now is in grave condition. The other one is in critical condition. And then we found out also that the injury count was 11, not 8, as we have uh, been reporting. So I guess a few more people were treated at the scene. Four people were taken to the hospital in addition to those two that I just mentioned, and they were treated for smoke inhalation. Uh, Three of them in their 20s. One of them was a three-month-old. And firefighters are expecting to be here throughout the night. It's also important to note that there was another fire just down the road from uh, from where we're at, just a couple blocks away, part of the reason why there was such a quick response. And so there are some questions being asked now as to whether or not there is a connection between those two fires. Uh, The official word coming from L.A. Fire Department and LAPD is no, but uh, they're looking into it. Um, the um, There was a report. In fact, you were saying that Ralph Terrazas, the L.A. City Fire Chief, was suggesting mm-hmm. that somebody may have actually been in custody, but they've walked that back. They did, they walked it back pretty quickly. Uh, so I got that notification. It was a text message from uh, you know our news department saying that he had just said that on TV. And as a matter of fact, uh, from what I understand, he said it to two reporters on TV. And so I went straight over to the command staff, and uh, they said, well, you may have been premature on that and may have misspoken. And then when they came out for the news conference just about uh, 10 minutes later, they said, no, nobody is being held. Nobody is being questioned and notice the word is there uh there was not any kind of definitive no we haven't talked to anybody we know we haven't questioned anyone so it's still a bit murky as to whether or not there was somebody at some point today that was questioned that would have led the fire chief of the los angeles fire department to say that pretty impressive rescues from from the roof there using the la city uh, fire helicopter the yeah, I mean, there's a ton of drama around this, right? I mean, first you have a guy who is scaling on the seventh floor of this, so it's the six occupied floor, but really the seventh story of the apartment building. Uh, he is doing the, the best Mission Impossible sort of impression you could imagine. As you know, you look at the 
the width of these windowsills, and yeah, you're probably talking about three or four inches there. So on the balls of of his toes, is he able to hold on and, and Spider-Man across until finally uh, being plucked down from there? It is our understanding that that person was one of the 30-year-olds who is either in critical and or grave condition right now. Uh, so the person who was in grave condition, actually, firefighters had to uh, do chest compressions on him. As far as the people on the roof, there were a number of people, 15 people on the roof that had to be hoisted up and taken over to the West LAVA, which, again, I mean, that's uh, you know that's a football toss away from where we're at right now. It's not that far away. So uh, some incredible scenes, which is, I think, part of the reason why we see a lot of TV cameras out here. Have you been able to find out much about the fire that burned through there before? And was it in the same building? Because I know that there are three towers, I believe, there at, at what there makes are, up yeah. Barrington Plaza. I have not had a chance to dive into the history of it. Based off of Based off of what was told to us by L.A. City Fire, I believe it is the same tower, but i got to verify that. I haven't had a chance to look back, but they did mention, and I thought it was interesting as well, that they did mention, again, the lack of sprinklers, and they're like, listen, it's not on the building. This is on L.A. City uh, Council. This is on you know the government to say that you got to put sprinklers in. Clearly a shot saying, hey, like the guys who are in charge here, if uh, you want sprinklers in, you got to call your councilman. All right, Chris and Carlo, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course, guys. The uh, the images from that right as we were taking the air were pretty pretty spectacular. And as Chris was talking about, um, L.A. City, L.A. County Fire said they don't really do this very often. They don't rescue people from rooftops, despite what you might imagine. Um, we also talked before about the requirements to have helipads on top of buildings uh, over a certain height in the city of L.A. that they haven't required those for some time. But there was a time after this building was built, these uh, Barrington Plaza towers went up in the early 60s. It was after that that they were requiring helipads on the buildings. And then uh, since then, they've, of course, done away with that requirement because the likelihood that you'd have to put a helicopter on top of one of those things is, is pretty slim. So anyway, it was a very dramatic rescues that were taking place today. Looks like two unmanned satellites could slam into each other over the United States tonight. Well, there's nothing else going on in town, so why not? We'll find out all the details when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Every time we've brought in something like that up, yeah. I don't think brought in is a word, no. but every time we've Sounds brought... delicious, though. Uh, <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, I get some aw broughton sausage in here. <laughs> every time we've... Uh, we bring it up, they act like it's... Like it's... Trouble for them. Right, right. Like we're asking them to climb Everest or something. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Bunch of stories that are going on today, including the House impeach, or sorry, the Senate impeachment trial is in the question and answer phase. 
Senators have been submitting written questions. The chief justice in the Supreme Court has been reading them. And then members of the president's defense team and the House managers have been able to uh, spend a few minutes answering those questions. The World Health officials did go to China and they're expressing great concern that this new virus is spreading between people outside of China. It is growing substantially. It has now infected more people in China than were sickened during the SARS outbreak. The death toll, though, is at 132, far mm-hmm. lower than the 348 who died. Uh-huh. Sure it is. Um, I've noticed that there are reports of coronavirus in the United Arab Emirates, and I think Finland has its first case now 16 as 16 well. or 17 different countries. British Airways has halted all flights to China. American Airlines suspended flights to and from Shanghai and Beijing. Uh, several others, Fin Air, Hong Kong-based Cathay Pacific, Jetstar Asia out of Singapore. They're all reducing the number of flights into and out of China. Well, uh, up in the skies tonight, since there's nothing else going on that's uh, causing consternation or panic, how about satellites banging into each other and creating a huge problem for other functioning satellites? Ryan Burrow is joining us with his eyes on the skies. Ryan, what do you see? I uh, I actually think it sounds pretty awesome. Two satellites <laughs> slamming into each other at thirty two thousand miles an hour. I kind of want to see it, don't you? Yes. I mean, you don't you don't see that very often or ever. In fact, um, we've got all these satellites that are you know orbiting the Earth. Many of them are defunct, and uh, these two uh, are on a path to potentially strike each other. I mean, obviously, we're talking inches. They may pass each other, and and no harm, no foul. But uh, one of them is the size of a small car. Uh, the other one is the size of uh, maybe one of those garbage cans you have in your kitchen. Uh, one of them is a 1967 Air Force experiment. It was a, uh, a test spacecraft design um, that they were using. I think that's the one that's the size of the car, whereas the one that was launched in 1983 was uh, the first infrared space telescope. It operated for less than a year before uh, it became defunct. And right now they're kind of on a collision course. Uh, if it it happens it would happen around 6:40 eastern time right over pittsburgh now don't worry about the people in pittsburgh they'll be just fine in fact they may have a better view of it than any of us but uh the the concern is that once these two if they do uh collide with each other will create thousands of pieces of space debris which will then start also churning around the Earth at tens of thousands of miles an hour and could start ripping up some of these satellites that are functioning and are working. And, boy, boy, oh, boy, we don't want uh, our cable to go out on Super Bowl Sunday, that's for sure, right? Oh, my uh, God. That would be that would, that so wait would be wait a minute. That, worse that than would the ex- coronavirus. That would explain why you were going, just because you don't want to run the risk of satellites exactly. going out. Exactly. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that I paid a mortgage, 14 mortgage payments <laughs> for that ticket. To sit a thousand rows away from the field. Um, Ryan, there's no chance that it's going to be visible, is it? I don't think so, not by the naked eye, Um, and I really don't. I I have to check and see what the weather conditions are like in Pittsburgh right now. I'm not sure if uh, we've been sitting in darkness here in Chicago for the seven straight days. I'm dying for some vitamin D uh, in the sky, but 
Um, you know, we, uh, I'm sure there are plenty of camera angles that are on it or telescopes that can, can good, get a good view of it. Hopefully we get something if they do collide or if they just get really close. I mean, we're talking anywhere between 100 to 50 feet they think they could come within. I mean, if they even miss by an inch, then no harm, no foul. But uh, there is potential that these two strike each other head on. Now, I'm, this is total side note. I, I did look it up. It says about uh, 67% cloud cover uh, 60 to 67 percent at the time that those two would uh, the two satellites will come close to each other. Um, it was about this time last year where we talked to you on the phone regarding it's just absolutely subarctic temperatures there in Chicago. And we were we were kind of laughing about the fact that we were going to be in the upper 60s or low 70s. By this weekend, just so you know, we'll be uh, probably about 85. I looked up on Amazon, Ryan, uh, a sun lamp for seasonal depression. And they have those. All right, fantastic. Get- well, I'm heading off to Iowa tomorrow, so I'm hoping. Oh, that's right. Because, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing more beautiful than Iowa at the end of January. So, um, you know. It's 27 well, are- in Des Moines right now under cloudy skies. And on Friday, it's going to snow. I heard about your Super Bowl plans. My, I will be spending Super Bowl Sunday in Dubuque with Joe Biden. Oh, so, there you go. Oh, man. Put in my journal right there, right? Uh. I'm sorry. Do I bring do I bring the chips and salsa or vegetable tray? What do you think? I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> Stick with the vegetable tray. You're going to need okay. to be cleaned right. out after that. That's for sure. All right, Ryan. Thank you. We appreciate. It. We'll keep an eye on those satellites. Oh my gosh, that right, sounds terrible. Dubuque. Super Bowl Sunday in Dubuque, Iowa, with Biden. Oh no, I would say this. Even the candidates would know that Super Bowl is going to be hard to compete with. So I would imagine that they would be at viewing parties. I hope it, wouldn't so. you if you were a candidate? Yes. I mean, you probably would have taken the day off anyway yes. from your campaign, rigorous campaign. All right, we come back. We have to dip in at least to part of what's going on with these questions and answers. Senators have been handwriting questions, handing them to the – well, handing them to a page who then runs them down the aisle to the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Um, but clearly some of these questions are not written to get an answer – they're written to be read just so that they can get their political, uh, you know, dig in because they've had to sit on their thumbs for the last several days listening to opening arguments. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue. We'll go live to Capitol Hill. feel like they're we couldn't there we, we we could not live stream what goes on in the breaks just for we I don't think not. that's not could that not. could not happen but i wonder if there's a way for us to just like keep a daily diary just a, like a journal yeah that might be kind of fun <laughs> for our own edification you know uh, when we're old and they kick us off the air because we say things like then uh, we could we could get together, have lunch, have a couple pops, and open up our yeah. journal of things that we talked about off the air that we could never admit to because we're sick people. 
<laughs> we are sick. We are sick people on this floor. Uh, all right. The big stories that have been going on today, and now that Ryan Burrow just told us there are two unmanned inactive satellites that are going to blow up over Pittsburgh in a couple of hours, um, <laughs> we got nothing else to worry about, right? Well, the fire at the Barrington Plaza there in uh, West L.A., just, just west of the 405 on oh, Wilshire. we've got a pursuit. We've got a pursuit. Are we seriously? Channel 7. Already? Channel 7, it says it's a slow-moving sedan in the West Hollywood area. I wonder if Believed is- to be two people in the vehicle. Oh, ABC 7 reports that the police originally began following the driver for failure to yield and possible DUI. Uh Oh, is it a little early for a DUI? Yes. Or late. Oh, they've been it's going either a little early or a little late. Uh, you're going to have a hard guess, time. I guess they didn't uh, they didn't take it. I guess no. they, they've already maybe it's maybe it's come to an end. This was just posted three minutes ago, but maybe it came to an end. Um, we've been watching, of course, the uh, the fire there at Barrington Plaza. They said eight people were injured, a couple of them critically. Uh, there is no sprinkler system in this 25 story apartment building. It uh, was built in the I think it's early 60s. And there it's been one of multiple apartment buildings that are that old where people have been discussing whether or not they should put uh, retrofit them for sprinklers. There were 300-some-odd firefighters on the scene earlier today. Uh, the coronavirus now said to be larger and spreading faster than SARS and has affected more people in China than SARS did. Uh, and then, of course, the story out of Washington, D.C. Senators have been questioning the impeachment managers and the president's lawyers in the question-answer portion of the impeachment trial. I uh, wanted to dip into some of it and see if we could get uh, – we just missed the beginning of this question. But uh, Patrick Philbin, Deputy White House Counsel, is answering a question right now. And we'll see if we can listen into the Senate floor here. In the Ukraine, both in June of uh, 2017 and again in September. Just me or do you lose all credibility now when you say things like the Ukraine? Yes. I thought we established that – well, doesn't matter. Sorry. It's- Understanding why it was that – the information related to the Bidens and the Burisma affair came up when it did. So one important piece of information to bear in mind is President Poroshenko was the person that Joe Biden himself, on the tapes we've seen, went to to have the prosecutor fired. So as long as President Poroshenko was still in charge in Ukraine, he was the person that Joe Biden had spoken to to get the prosecutor Shokin fired when Shokin was looking into, according to public reports, looking into oh Burisma. So, as long as he was still the president in Ukraine, question the utility of raising an incident in which he was the one who was taking the direction from Vice President Biden to fire the prosecutor. So when you have an election in April of 2019 and you have a new president, President Zelensky, who is run on an anti-corruption platform, and there is a question, is he really going to change things? Is there this going is to be something new in Ukraine? It opens up an opportunity for to start looking really at anti-corruption issues and raising topic. questions. That's that's now, part of the reason the that, um, I, I, you know, in terms of watching this, I've been reading it a lot of the closed captioning as we've gone through the show today. And the questions that people are asking, the questions that these senators have been putting forward are not questions of... The evidence or there are very few of them are they're not questions of importance to a decision whether or not to vote to remove the president. They're not. Some of them have have pertained directly to witnesses. For example, um, you know, the John Bolton 
issue came out Sunday, and the president's defense team mentioned on Monday they alluded to the discussion that John Bolton said in his manuscript that President Trump wanted to withhold aid in exchange for uh, or until he could get a promise that the Ukrainian government was going to investigate political rivals. Then yesterday in the final closing, Jay Sekulow, one of the president's attorneys, had come out and uh, did just basically say it's only a manuscript. We don't know what the real book would say. We don't even know exactly what's going on if, in fact, John Bolton could testify without uh, violating some sort of national security agreements. So one of the questions earlier today was, should John Bolton testify? Again, paraphrasing, I don't know the exact word of it, but should John Bolton testify? And it gave specifically, that was an important question because it gave specifically House managers the opportunity to make their argument as to why the former national security advisor should testify and the president's people the opportunity for them to get in there and say, you don't know what John Bolton would say. It's not important to any of this. Why didn't they push the issue when the House had the opportunity to question him before? So uh, those are the types of things that we've been we've been seeing in terms of all of the questions that have been posted so far today. Go ahead. What is that? You got it? had told you that this driver had in fact pulled oh, off the I've 118 the, uh, came to a stop now here. similar to this situation there were five black and whites uh, that had pulled looks like up they've been able them. to stop the car the officers got out guns drawn this was a situation touch and go for about five minutes or so and then in fact that suspect did take off so we just saw that yesterday and then here we are uh, under a similar situation. It's a gray sedan. Well, exactly. And again, they have no idea what's going through the individual's mind, what the individual did. Somehow the pursuit initiated. Is this Dennis Zine? Stop. Uh, what prompted that? <laughs> Sounds We're like not going to know at this particular oh, time. The primary unit in that pursuit would know. But I'm sure there's a supervisor on scene. Uh, Beverly in Orlando, it looks like, is where the uh, the car is stopped. Yeah, that's a it's an older, older model Mercedes. Um and there's at least four or five. It looked like they were sheriff's department vehicles behind there. I'm not quite sure exactly uh, if they were. But again, at the corner of Beverly Boulevard and North Orlando Avenue is where they've stopped. Uh, they said there was a spike strip. Apparently, it may have taken them out. That was what our official police well, I can source, see it. Blake, I can, told us. I can see it right under the car, the spike strip. Oh, is it right? sticking out on the other yeah, side? Okay, that's it. that makes more told sense. Told you. Thanks. Thank you, Blake. We have a news and brews coming up on Friday, guys. Come join us. It's going to be a great time. HK's Bar and Grill. They've got sliders. They have fried pickles. They have sausage and peppers. They have grilled cheese. I'm just going down the the items that I'm going to eat. The the Cucamonga (laughs) Burger is called a mountain of a burger. Two patties, lettuce, tomato, grilled red onions, blue cheese served with freedom fries. You could throw bacon on that thing for two bucks. Oh, man. Why wouldn't you do that? Full bar. I'm not saying that they have a full bar, but they have a full bar. So if that's what you're going to go out there and do. And we Bloody the, Marys. We are going to have, and I'm pretty sure that this is uh, going to be approved by management, we're going to have more listener interaction this show than we've ever had in a News and Brews before. What could go wrong with a full bar and listener interaction? We'll find out. We shall find out. Again, HK's Bar and Grill in Rancho Cucamonga coming up this Friday. We'll talk more about it tomorrow, of course. 
And you can find that information on the website. Go to KFIAM640.com and use the keyword Gary and Shannon. John and Ken show coming up next. See you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Well, that's all the time we have. Join us next time on Gary and Shannon.